Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Danny O'Dwyer. You probably know Danny already, whether it's from his work over at GameSpot, his guest appearances over at GiantBomb.com, or um, his work on the fantastic video game documentary series, No Clip. Uh, he is an all-around great dude, uh, but we he recently discovered Bloodborne and got very much into the series, uh, released a small video talking about the the weirdness and how great it was uh and thanks to special friend of the show allison by proxy uh she basically just said hey you should go on don't give up skeleton and he said yes and this is this episode so i'm not going to talk anymore please enjoy I think I played Dark Souls for like oh, a whisper of time um, a couple of years back. So I was at any stage it would have been while I was working at GameSpot. I think probably GameSpot US. Um, I moved here five years ago um, to work for GameSpot uh, in America. I'd previously worked for the, the UK team. And when I moved to the States, there were a bunch of people who, had, who were playing Dark Souls and they were like pretty good at it. And and when when you join a team like that, you kind of you find your 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 niche, I guess. You kind of uh, you know there, there's people on the staff who are experts at everything, so you try not to double up on what they're doing. So I kind of felt like it wasn't really a, a series that was in my wheelhouse anyway. Like it, it seemed like this weird Japanese thing, and it seemed like it was difficult, and it was third person, and <laughs> it was doing all these like ticking all these boxes that like never interested me. Like I was into like twi- Twitch shooters and sports games, and and uh, and RPGs a little bit. I'd gotten into, and I played WoW and stuff like that. But like I wasn't into, you know, I looked at that and I went, "Oh, it's Dynasty Warriors, right?" Which is ridiculous now. Um, so I don't, I don't think I played much of it then at, at all. Uh, the the first one I I actually sort of like tried to um, to play, which was part of the GameSpot thing, where like I'm hosting the weekly live show, so you kind of want to like have some experience in the new games that come out, even the ones you don't really you wouldn't play. So I kind of play everything, um, and the first one was Bloodborne, um, and I played it for I beat Gascoigne. Um, so I I played like a bit, but like I beat Gascoigne while like slamming blood vials. You know what I mean? Like I went through probably I was music boxing and I was you know using every trick under the sun and and probably just like trying to scum him a bit as well. Um, uh, but then I I just fell off. Like something else came out the next week and I and it didn't put its hooks in. So it wasn't until a couple of months ago that I actually properly got into Bloodborne. And that's how uh, you came to be on this show because you posted a uh, a video on the NoClip site talking about your experiences with it. And um, that video, like I'm involved in a lot of different Souls communities and that video hit like every single one of them, by the way. Everybody was was really enthusiastic about it. And uh, um, That's crazy. I I didn't, I I felt like an idiot sort of like posting about it because there has been so much commentary about this series. Like I, you know, the minute I completed it, I I watched H-Bomber guys like massive, video on, on it and like there's so much really good analysis of these games um 
but there was a, there was one aspect of it that sort of like the reason why it kind of hit me that I, I didn't really see echoed so and I and I also like I kind of wanted to get something out about these games because people keep asking us to do a documentary on it and we'll probably get into it later it's it's most likely never going to happen but um, I wanted to do something around it just because I had so much passion so that's cool I, I I kind of felt like you know I don't know new kid on the block or something when it came to this series <laughs> that's the thing though with the soul series uh, Bloodborne I find specifically um, is that they that the community around it either they're a hundred percent done with the game or they're a hundred percent still want to hear more and more about the game and uh, <laughs> that you see people I mean I'm, I'm involved in communities that are still like you know doing data mining and like lore exploration uh, you know that that Lance guys releasing you know full bosses <laughs> that have that were cut wow. from the game like that was yesterday that the a giant snake ball boss was was released <laughs> not released but you know it revealed uh, so it's I think that especially if you have somebody who you've seen on the internet and that you like for them to you know for the community for to see like oh now they're into Bloodborne now they're one of us I think that they're going to fly to that you know regardless of if it's treading the same kind of content but it really wasn't like your video was a little bit different than the other videos that, that were out there I think probably I imagine it was probably a bit more myopic because I just didn't have the experience and I was one of these people who I imagine there's quite a lot actually who came to the series kind of first through Bloodborne I've since played I haven't completed Dark Souls 1 yet but I'm, I'm, I'm playing through it um but yeah I can probably imagine that and that sort of I I I you know one of the coolest things about doing this job at all is when you find out that people have played a game because of something you did so be that you know a little op eddy video like that or um what happens quite a lot with our documentaries uh, is that then people are like oh i had no idea that's what that game was like we had loads of people play warframe after we did that doc because they're like oh that's what that thing is so that's the coolest thing ever is is it's it's really nice to hear that people kind of like are down with like oh cool yeah you know He's part of our tribe, or that person is part of our tribe. Um, but one of the coolest things was actually a bunch of people that were like, okay, you know what? This is like the straw that broke the camel's back. If you're going to talk about it, and like I've heard, I've watched, you know, I've had <laughs> years of people telling me this game was good, but I just, for whatever reason, for that one person, I was the last, you know, <laughs> the last little bit of waste that, that turned the scales. Um, and then that's great. And then you get like a, a message three months later, and there they are with their, you know, they're, they're, they're prey slaughtered or whatever on, on the last boss and um, they're super happy so it, that's that's really really cool 200 hours in and 4 builds later like thank you for telling me I should <laughs> exactly. play this game <laughs> <laughs> sorry you've neglected the rest of your life <laughs> and, I, and now I've become the PS4 has become the Bloodborne machine that I always knew it to be <laughs> totally yeah that's what it was for me for, for a good like 3 months this year yeah I think um, there's a lot of people that I've talked to that were um, not necessarily on the fence about a PS4, but uh, knowing that a From Software game was coming out, and that um, especially at the time, like the only stuff that was out for Bloodborne were these real, real shitty gifts that were just like a, a hunter walking through a fog door with holding a gun, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, it's Demon Souls 2, And now we have guns! Like everybody freaked out about it. But I know nice. for me, for me, like it was that it was seeing that was like, okay, well, I will definitely get a PS4 if this is going to be exclusive for it. That's cool. And like I had my PS4 set up and, and the sort of the reason why I ended up playing it was um, we just had a myself and my wife just had a baby girl and I was taking two months off work, which sounds like a lot here in the States, probably. But that's like I'm, I'm Irish in case the accent isn't obvious enough. Um, and uh, that's like pretty common for mm-hmm. for um, uh, for a, a, the, you know, the non the, the husband or whatever or the, the other partner to to do that. So. 
Um, I had like, you know, we, I had stuff organized for work. There was other people doing documentaries and I was going to take two months off and I knew I was going to not sleep very much because the kid's going to be up. And also I knew there was going to be a lot of time where I'm just sitting on my arse doing nothing. Um, and what ended up happening was that I would have these long stretches at nighttime where um, uh, my baby girl, uh, what, what happens a lot is the kids, they're, they're really good at sleeping. Like they'll find one or two ways of sleeping and kind of stick to that. And you have to be careful because you can sort of like give them bad habits. But for, you know, a decent six weeks, she just loved falling asleep on my chest and would fall asleep for like <laughs> hours, like four, five, six hours. So I kind of bit the bullet and went, you know what? If that's the way it's going to be, then I'm going to figure out a bunch of games that I can play through that I want to that I want to get into. And one of the ones that you know there was a bunch of games I wanted to play, but I just knew I had this massive blank spot in my like or blind spot in my video game like contemporary video game uh, experience, and that coupled with the fact that everyone was asking us to do something about From Software. Sure. Um, yeah. So I had I I had something similar happen with Final Fantasy 14, where I secretly played that for like six or seven weeks before sort of reaching out to them and um well they reached out to us i guess and doing the documentary on the history of that game so i was kind of like okay i'll give it a go and uh you know because it was on the playstation 4 uh it was like and you know it had you know good sort of uh quality of life updates which i appreciated as somebody mm-hmm. who was intimidated by them and and all that so and also because of the fact that i could not get up like i was lying on the couch with my daughter asleep on me i couldn't move <laughs> so i i kind of had to play it so like those moments where you know, I got killed again by the blood star feast and any other day of the week I would be, you know, getting up and getting a coffee or going away or turning the PlayStation 4 off and, you know, watching Netflix or, or, or you know, doing anything else. I, I kind of couldn't. Like, I knew I was there for hours, so I was kind of like, oh, well, just, you know, get back up on the horse. So that's why I ended up sort of like basically playing Bloodborne for like 12 hours a day for, for the space of five weeks and I went from knowing nothing about those games to like like I said it in the video I it took me forever to, to or it took me a long time to beat that game or the big the big one I had was the Bloodsarf Beast took me like 30 attempts and I was I was you know ringing the bell for that dude who's outside to get him to help me every time and I was trying to use the cocktails and doing all this stuff and I just could not kill it. And then I eventually did after like, you know, mainlining 20 blood vials in the process. And then I did a mana build like right after. I've done a bunch of different builds now. And I did a mana build um, and I beat three bosses in a row. And one of them was the Bloodstar Beast. I went from one to the next to the next on, on without without dying. And I was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> it, that's, it's the end of the Matrix. Like that, yeah, by the time exactly you finish right. with Bloodborne... Yeah. And, you're just Neo standing in the hall putting his hands up. Like, it's just, you got, you, you, you stop panicking. You kind of, you just get in the flow. And a large part of that, um, uh, is because I feel like I had my baby girl just lying on my chest and I couldn't budge. If I moved, she'd wake up. So I, I would just, I had to be Zen. Um, and, uh, yeah. So the whole thing was a really interesting experience for someone who's like, I'm 32 now. And mm-hmm. you kind of feel like, Oh, I've played so many different games and genres and I kind of get games now. And like, I don't have that new experience of a new game anymore. And that was, uh, that was me playing Half-Life for the first time when I was 13 again. It was oh, yeah. just, yeah, it was like a whole new type of video game. And I had to just, figure it out um that's that's why i love it i think it's, it's just that 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 way of having to just grit it out and, and learn the way you did when you were a kid and 
Of course you did then, because you didn't know yeah. how to play video games. And you but couldn't afford, you couldn't afford to just go to another video game, because you just... You did, like, I don't... Totally. Well, I mean, like, I didn't have the money to, like, just go buy another video game, so I was stuck no, on... We were copying you know, Amiga discs from neighbors, Yeah, you know, because, exactly. boxed games cost too much, so, you know... <laughs> I'm going to play the first level of Carmageddon over and over again on the shareware disc until it just breaks. Totally. <laughs> Half-Life Uplink, or, like, that Unreal Tournament demo that had bots. Just, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure oh, I'll just man. play this forever. Great. Jeez. Yeah. I, was there any feeling of dissonance? Like you're sitting there um, with your, you know, your your new baby girl in your chest, and you're playing this game that, you know, by any account is full of monstrosities and monsters <laughs> and blood and things screaming at you all the time. Did you ever like just look down and go like this? Just this is just a weird situation. Like like the complete opposite. Like this was exactly what what this felt like because I was bonding with this creature, which like. Had, I'd seen her being born, right, which is mm-hmm. fucking gnarly in its own right, you know, not to, you know, blood and born are pretty good fucking descriptors <laughs> for what it's like when you're watching a child coming out of somebody. So, you know, and like you're collecting umbilical cords in the game and it's a lot of it's about like, you know, f- there's lots of familial stuff in there mm-hmm. between, you know, Gascoigne and then lots of like things about you know genetics and dna and 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 you know inbreeding and like all this sort of stuff and it just felt like i think i had a very my relationship with my my daughter especially in those early days was very much about like the world is hard and it's weird and it's it's difficult but like we're gonna get through it together like don't worry like i got your back and so the whole thing felt like this weird like collaboration like i i genuinely don't think i would have completed the game or had the like temperament temperament to do it without her resting on my chest and like keeping my heart rate down and and so the whole thing felt like a sort of a like a death stranding style like <laughs> your little baby in your jar getting through the world like <laughs> Like, she was there, and we were doing it together. And, like, I didn't play Bloodborne without her. So during this whole time, I didn't play unless she was asleep on my chest. Like, that was our together time, was playing Bloodborne. You've got me very excited to think that Death Stranding is just uh, playing as Norman Reedus, (laughs) playing Bloodborne inside a a new game engine or something. (laughs) Hey, you know what? That would probably still sell quite a lot. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. So the whole thing felt like this, this very like um it felt like like a collaboration between the two of us like it was our bonding like that game was our bonding to the point where i am i'm literally um getting the uh the hunter's mark tattooed on the place on my arm where she used to lie i'm getting it that done in about three weeks time oh, nice. so because i want to remember that whole that whole process she's like nestle in on my sort of between my chest and my left arm and my upper arm so um i kind of want to remember that because that was like it was the first like truly like we got to know each other really well during that period and then the other thing about it is that like by the time she like she eventually got out of that phase she eventually you know didn't need to sleep on my chest so much and was was you know hanging out a bit more with everyone and her sleep pattern changed and i had basically gotten to the end of the game and was just kind of i think i was in the dlc and i didn't want to beat the final boss because i was you know because then it would reset everything so i was just going through the dlc and then i was worried that she wouldn't be on my she wouldn't be on my chest anymore while i was playing so i actually the only reason i completed the game was because i was like oh shit like she's she's getting into like toddler territory soon enough so i better do this because there's no way i can complete this game without her being involved like she was with me from the start she got me through everything 
we're going to complete this together. So I did. I completed it. one of the nights. It was one of the last nights that we sort of had one of our late nights. Um, I walked in and I was super over leveled and I beat the shit out of that guy. And <laughs> that was, uh, what's his name again? Why can't I remember? His uh, name? German is his name. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I bit. I and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was that. That was kind of the end of our little journey together. And I've since played a bunch more. And I, I played some Dark Souls with her too. But um, yeah, I kind of drew that chapter to a close, which uh, apparently is what parenting is all about: is just small little sort of mini chapters that close and then new ones open. Do you think that there's a uh, a future time where you're going to want to try to sit down with her and say like, this is the game that I bonded with you on as a baby, and I'd like to play it with you now? Like, do you think that th- that'll come up at some point? Or <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I I mean, I'd be up for it, but I'm very conscious of uh, of projecting my experience onto her. Like, mm-hmm. ultimate, like I don't want to be one of those dads who's like, you know, I'm into cars, so you have to be into cars, or like I'm <laughs> into sure. games, so you have to be into games. I have a feeling the question will come up when she asks about all the weird drawings that are on my arm because I, you know <laughs> they won't be the first tattoo I have. Um, so I imagine it'll probably come up then. But I do. I also. I, I kind of like the mythos. I like the idea that she has a mythology that goes back further. I like my name is Danny. My middle name's well, Daniel. My middle name's William. I'm named after my two granddads who both passed away before I was born. One of them died while my mom was pregnant, um, and uh, she has elements of her name as well, which are historical to to both myself and my wife's uh, family. Um, but also, but you know, I also like really like the fact that I grew up in a town in Waterford that my dad grew up in, and it was actually different to the town that my brother and sister were born in Dublin, and my mother's from Dublin. But they kind of moved to the south to Waterford, um, in the southeast of Ireland, small enough uh, city, and that's where I was born. It just so happened to be that's where my dad grew up as well. And I really liked that. I liked that I had like this shared mythos uh, with my or history with my. I guess it is mythology because it doesn't really. You feel like it doesn't exist. It's kind of ethereal, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm from Ireland. My wife is from Virginia. We live in Maryland. We don't really have like a tie to this place. I'm not sure if we'll stick around here either. Like we're pretty transient sort of people. Um, so I wanted, I like the idea of her having some sort of, like, I don't know, shared history that goes back to the moment she was born. So uh, for her and me, that, you know, it'll be lots of things. It won't just be this game, obviously. Sure, it'll be the yeah. way we play together and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. But um, the first sort of significant um, bonding experience for me is definitely this. And um, I look forward to, like, telling her about it once she cares enough to ask. But uh, I won't be one of these, you know, you're 12 now. So, you know, sit down. We're going to play 100 hours of this fucking impossible game. It, like, and you got to hit that at the right point, too, because it's got to be uh, when she's old enough to care, but not old enough to be too cool to care, because that's definitely going to happen. Like, you have to find totally. that perfect window. So, Also, like, like Bloodborne is hard to play in 2018. Like, Bloodborne's... Uh, it's not like a massive like genre has spun out of this like this is still from's gig so do i think that in 15 years some kid is going to be able to like play bloodborne on like an old controller which probably has weird button setups and like is this super like this game is idiosyncratic and you know nonsense in terms of its terminology and its mechanics like now can you imagine how fucking crazy this game's going to be in like 15 years yeah <laughs> we're going to be like what is this what is blood tinge and why do i need to level it up that doesn't make any sense whatsoever i, don't, I still I don't, don't really know like <laughs> like blood tinge just uh, like and i i talked about this a bit in the video uh sorry if i'm rambling it's just it's it's so it's so fun to talk about this stuff get into um, it yeah. i talk i talk a little bit about this in the video where 
the the terminology of this game is one of the things that I really love about it because it it goes against everything the AAA games or just general like you know games that are trying to appeal to such a broad audience are doing because it just does not give a shit that what you think something should be called or or anything like to the point where like it it names things that really don't need to have custom names weird things just all over the place and like having vile bloods and blood vials within the same game and have them mean totally like nothing to do with each other really like having like you know the the set of characters and that sort of weird history that we're kind of used to that from a lot of japanese games i think Mm -hmm. there's an element of culture clash that sort of happens generally there where japanese games are quite often pulling from their history in a way that doesn't resonate with us but like you know we recognize you know the the greek dramas in our media all the time they're pulling from a different reference and we sort of we're kind of like what um so we don't we don't have that cultural like those hooks in but not like that's kind of par for the course for any japanese um story-based game but this just goes like in so many different weird ways just non in terms of the mechanics and all that sort of stuff especially for somebody who hadn't played dark souls who couldn't say like oh the gun the gun is a shield basically i'm playing this game and being like why is this gun so bad <laughs> like is this a joke like am i supposed to be shooting these things 20 times um and the and this and the, the phrase the gun is the shield doesn't make any sense whatsoever at all in any context <laughs> no especially because if you hold it if you if you block it doesn't work like it's, yeah. it's only a, a riposte or whatever or a, a stagger is which is a very particular type of thing to do with a shield, you know? Um, mm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, And it doesn't block bullets either, so it's not really, you know, a shield. So, yeah, I, I feel like th- that's one of the other things I love about this game, and it's just going to get weirder with time. Like, it was weird when it first came out, and granted, like, there are beautiful wikis out there now which can help a lot, and I certainly used... Um, uh, wiki stuff when I was when I was completely lost, um, which I enjoyed. I feel like that's part of the experience in a way is having that um you know that 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 shared communal you know going through the old texts to sort of read what things do, mm-hmm. um, which I found exciting. But uh, yeah, I wonder what it's going to be like. That'll be a fun video series just to have like have your kid play the games that you loved growing up and just be like. I mean, I guess there's an entire YouTube series of, like, kids react to, like, sure, the Walkman. Yeah. And they're like, what's this? What's a modem? You know, just kids are stupid. Uh, kids kids are very stupid. The uh, The naming thing um, is something that, uh, as I was watching the Warframe videos you guys did, and um, I was one of those people <laughs> yeah. that was just a little bit into Warframe, and, like, watching those videos made me want to get a whole lot more into Warframe because those people just seem so nice. I'm like, I got to play their game. They're such nice people. Um, but they, they, they made the same point of just naming things in a Warframe way that I think From Software does with their games as well. Just everything just being a little different. Like, you know, there's a concept of a, of a vagrant in Dark Souls 1. And if you don't know what that is in Dark Souls 1, it doesn't make any sense if I tried to explain it to you. Like, it's a weird creature that pops up if somebody else on the, on the server loses a bunch of souls and it shoots beams at you and there's an evil one and a good one. It doesn't make any, like that word vagrant doesn't make any sense for what it is. But once right. you get into it, you just kind of just bond with it. And all of a sudden, it just has that definition in your head. And I had I had somebody reach out to me who worked in localization. Um, they didn't work on Bloodborne, but they worked on English um, localization for Japanese titles. And they said thank you for recognizing that a little bit because and because it is sort of like the, it's a very fine art because you're trying to translate that thing over and keep the sort of the essence of mystery that comes over and Japanese is a very like intentional language like words mean things and they have subtext which is very like 
determined and i think it's such a delicate sort of skill to be able to translate that probably not one-to-one to to communicate the same thing because there's lots of like concepts in japanese culture that don't really exist in ours um it's not just like schadenfreude it's not just like words that mean things it's like ideas about things so i think that's like one of the most incredible um, aspects and you're right i forgot about that part in the warframe doc where rebecca was like yeah we don't just call them cats we call them like cavats (laughs) exactly or like what sandanas is what they call scarves like and it's it's i guess it's sort of part of this 2018 you know games as a service or games as like a community platform thing that people didn't really realize that like you know i loved in warcraft knowing all the weird things you know knowing about hogger and like being able to say that to somebody or there was a time where you could say keck when it didn't mean some weird alt-right thing (laughs) got (laughs) co-opted by people but like or like talking about you know you know all of the different little things that are happening in that world and how unique they are to them and then a lot of games ended up in a way, trying to pull people in from different communities, sort of easing towards this, you know, the more general um, uh, types of words for things and or creating things that, like, weren't weird enough. Like, I found that way about Destiny. Like, a lot of the game modes in Destiny, they, they're like their own name, but they don't, they're not weird enough. They're just kind of like a shit word for something. It's kind of like I, a uh, young adult fantasy novel that's not like particularly yeah. great, but it's readable. Like it's, it's, you ha- you're, you're almost there, but it's just not quite interesting enough. You're t- that's, that, that's a really good comparison. It's like reading, it's like the difference between like reading the Hunger Games and reading, you know, and, and Battle Royale or like the Hunger Games and Tolkien, you know, where like one of them's really leaning into it and the other one just kind of, it's like trying to be a shade different, but it, it doesn't have the confidence to really pull off the sort of, the, the you know, a very particular type of language. And that's what I love about Bloodborne is that like, it's just bananas. Like all of the like, I just, I just love picking up like pebbles from birds, <laughs> from like, crows, yeah, absolutely. crows, yeah, and being like, and like, and just all the weird things. Then you get to because you you pass through these areas over and over again. And I actually think this is the reason why I love this game so much is that I'm not really a fan of like combat or third person combat or I've I've never have. I love the FPS games and the immediacy immediacy of hit scan weapons, but I've never really been into. Um, that type of combat with you know delays and 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 whatnot especially in games with no cancel uh, cancellation because i'm a, a button mashy type of person but the reason i think i love these games was the environmental mastery that happens i love like exploring like in life i love exploring i have a pretty decent like sense of direction i love traveling places and getting lost and moving to new places and and going out on my bike or going for a walk and figuring places out and that's the reason why i love open world games is i just get lost like i'm playing red dead at the moment i'm not even touching the story i'm just going camping in the woods all the time and so that's what i like about it and what i love about bloodborne is that you get that environmental mastery like you 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 get better at the game by just knowing where shit is and that's that 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 also bleeds into that weird idiosyncratic stuff where like you start to realize really particular things about the world because you're passing these things over and over again and i remember like there was like two things that come to mind is one in in hemlock uh was it hemlock witches grove what, what do you call it again witches i think it's hemlock just hemlock grove? it's hemlock grove and then it's the witches of hemwick right for the oh right, the okay boss. sorry yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. in hemlock grove then um there's that one uh crow that doesn't attack you it's fucking weird. There's like a pile of crows. After you go down there, there's the elevator over to the right. And if you go up there, there's a bunch of crows to your left. And one of them just, is just like idle. Like it won't attack you. And you can kill it still. 
and I never kill it because I feel bad for it. <laughs> it's like, it's really weird. And I remember seeing it and being like, is that a bug? And then seeing it, I think, in the H-Bomber guy video and being like, oh, no, that's like a thing. Um, and then the other one was was how the, I kept like harvesting insight because I was terrified of, I, I used like 20 insight on the Bloodstar Beast, rezzing that dude um, outside the cathedral. And I was like, so I was harvesting this stuff. And then when stuff started to change, I was like, what the fuck's going on? Like, <laughs> like when the dudes outside the cathedral, oh, sorry, that's the cathedral, um, outside the, the main cathedral, when their crosses started glowing red, I was like, what is going on? Like, like, and then like, I read, I read up what was going on and I was more confused. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like, I'm harvesting it. And then I started like going down this rabbit hole of like, why would it be? That, you know, and then, I, you know, the whole madman's knowledge and insight. And I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. That, like, the sort of, like, weird, I don't know, metaphysical struggle of this universe being that, like, the more you know about it, the more you know about the world, the more difficult it is to live in it. Which is like, oh, yeah, like, give me that shit. That's oh, yeah, like, all that's, day long. That's a philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I can, get, I, can, I can dive into that philosophy all day long. Um I want to do a quick yeah, correction so we, real quick because uh, Hemlock Grove is a Netflix series about vampires and werewolves. It's, <laughs> it's Hemwick Charnel Lane. So just in That's case anybody, it, sorry, yeah, in case anybody like, yells at us on the internet, we, we yeah, I, I had that thought. I was like, wait a minute, pretty sure I watched him like Hemlock Grove. Not, I didn't play that. <laughs> I'm having I'm having this problem where I've I've never uttered these words vocally before. <laughs> yeah. Like this is the first time. Like in my head, I know what that word looks like, but I've never actually said it out loud. I don't talk to my wife about Bloodborne. You know, she's, sure, yeah. She's you know she plays Assassin's Creed and she sees me playing. She watched she watched me playing Bloodborne and, and got into watching it, but she was like, "This game is fucking weird." My uh, going back to the environmental stuff um, for for just a little bit. The uh, that's one of the things that that from software I think does really well is not only do you like learn how to master these areas and do you get to know them, it feels like with, with very few exceptions, everything is placed there for a reason. And I know just enough about game development to know that, you know, game developers really try to put stuff there for a reason, whether it's gameplay or story related or whatever. But for some reason, Dark Souls and Bloodborne, and uh, I also get this feeling from Shadow of the Colossus, I can just stare at rocks and wonder about why the rock is there, where in most games I would just be 90 miles an hour past the rock and not care. But for some reason in Bloodborne, I just want to look at every doorway and try to figure out, like, where did I, where would that lead? <laughs> where does this go to? Totally. There's that one door that's in the... Um I think it's not the Cathedral Ward. It's it's so bad. This is like I haven't played the game in like one month and all of my like my terminology has like completely disappeared. That's fine. There's, yeah. it, I know the door the you're talking about. Yeah. It's yeah, it's the one that's supposed to lead to that great bridge, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's and it's it like it irritated me so much that I couldn't open it. And I was like, Oh, eventually I'll come back and I'll be able to open this door and I just, and I never could. And you're kinda of like, Oh, I wonder was that like some sort of connective tissue or connection they had between the two sections that they kind of got rid of and i can kind of see why they'd get rid of it because it would stop you going through that sort of little hub world they ended up creating in the in the church with all with all the the folks um Mm -hmm. uh, sort of collecting there and the weird little meta story that kind of happens between all those characters uh depending on who you have but yeah there's loads of that sort of stuff like like just i i think what I'd be most interested in if I was if I ever got the opportunity to talk to them would be how they block the levels because like blocking in um, first person shooters is all about sight lines and you know making sure that there are like cover areas I guess is sort of the, the more modern part of it uh, multiplayer there's a lot about map control and things like that but in a game like this 
objects are in places like a tree or like a boulder or anything like that um is and is like inexorably tied to the paths of the enemies and like the sort of the aoe that that they have and how you can pull them and, and do all that stuff and i'm i'm fascinated by like you can tell that it's not like they're just you know stuck like random bits in the open world which you would do in a normal open world for like aesthetic reasons or to to um to give the player um a a a carrot on a stick like to to get them to look a certain direction which is such an important part of of any um uh, linear first person game but obviously that a lot of it has to do with the combat like i remember, i think the first time i realized that was um i keep bringing it up but the bloodstar beast when i realized oh the fucking pillars like that's how i kill this thing cuz i use the pillars <laughs> like i just i hadn't used the environment like, I just around thought, me yeah <laughs> yeah like use the one thing like it's clearly the game telling you there's like nothing else in that that you can use to to break the to break line or anything and except for the pillars and then when i i was like oh fuck of course like that's and then i sort of used that for everything else like all the different like sometimes you fight bosses in big circular areas and you're kind of like oh okay i gotta i gotta move around i gotta move around i gotta like, keep my distance and or, or like when you realize that like going clockwise and anti-clockwise is actually different because like some of the bosses have like a favored arm that they strike with a lot more and you if you roll towards it then you can get like in a weird way, like, I've done boxing a bunch, and I did a little bit of MMA, and it reminded me of MMA, where it's like, oh, you take some of these hits, and then you counter them. Or, like, if you roll to your left, you you look at their tells, and you roll in a certain direction, and it puts you in a better position for the counter shot. That it's not just about dodging, it's actually about putting yourself in a better position for the for the counter. Um, so all these pennies sort of... Uh, dropped i went a little bit off the the whole environmental thing no that's that's, that's fine that's, yeah it's um the the game teaching you something how to do and then um and maybe you don't get this feeling but like I, i've there's definitely been plenty of times for me where i realize after the fact what the game was trying to do and i just feel like an idiot right. where you know the game drops a bunch of um i don't remember the item name but you know a bunch of poison cures before blood stars beast and it drops a couple of numbing mist which will stop the cleric beast from healing like it, it, yes. it's trying to tell you that but the language is so obscure like we've talked about and i'm i'm one of those guys that i just i have a just a frightening need to conserve every single consumable item in a video game so that i, <laughs> yeah. so that I end up never using it so i just never bother with that stuff and then afterwards someone would be like oh yeah i just used the you know the poison cures and i had no problem with that phase and i was like oh shit that's what i should have been yeah. doing yeah it's weird i've I, the one that i never figured out what i was supposed to be wh- who it was exactly i was supposed to be using it for was the bone marrow ash mm-hmm. I remember i got it and i was like I think at the time I wasn't using my gun as much as I probably should have been. And then when I finished the game, I was like, oh my God, I have so much of this shit. Like, I I never used it, basically. <laughs> Is there like a specific boss or... The only thing I can think of was those... There's the two hunters that that pop up, um, I think, after... Is it after you've killed? No, I, don't, I think it's... I forget what time. I think it might be just after you've killed um, the boss in the cathedral, um, which is... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On your way to the... Like it was we, where way, you go to like Yarhar Ghoul, but it's a dead end at that point. There's that's the first monsters. time I've heard that word said out loud. That's that's <laughs> I was I didn't want to have to say it. So um, yeah, those two down there. It's basically like the fire and electricity bosses. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like playing a it's like playing Mega Man or something um, or Zelda. Uh, yeah, the two of them. I was wondering maybe. And then actually, so I didn't realize I had two kind of weird things happen on my first playthrough. I feel which I feel like only happen to people like who search for them or mostly happen to people who try and seek them out and one is um 
it's Amelia, isn't it? Who's who's the that's the 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 boss there? Who's the lady again? Who's who has the first of the three umbilical cords? And oh, she's man. like high. She's back. She's back in the in the. I feel so bad that I that I, I should have done my little bit of research before I started this. Um, she's back at the the, the office where you start the game. Whatever her name oh, is. Oh, uh, Yosefka. Yes. So yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. first time I met her, she was she was lying on the table. She wasn't. I didn't have to kill her. She was just like sitting there, mm-hmm. and I just you know I didn't have to fight her. I just killed her and got the umbilical cord. So you and found that the ladder going up the back way and was like, what the hell? Where, how did I get back here? Yeah. Yeah, and she ended up. Yeah, I guess like I still don't really know because every time I've gone there since now, she's tried to fight me, and I was like, that was weird. But the the other one that happened was, um, and I forget how it exactly it occurred, but that thing happened where I got bagged up. In, oh yeah, yeah. And, and and the, the cutscene <laughs> happened, and then I ended up in like that area, like way too under leveled, and was totally freaked out. Like I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do here. Everything's killing me. I was like doing death runs to try and d- to get out of there. Like, <laughs> and I thought that happened to everyone, and then I ended up like looking it up later and being like, oh no, that's just like you did some you did some stuff, and then the, the game decided to like do this. Um, yeah, that was one of the things that like one of my my friends were texting me like, "Did you get kidnapped yet? Did you get kidnapped yet?" And I and I hadn't, and I was like, and I kept waiting for it to happen through the entire game. And for some reason, those bag dudes, uh, all you have to do is get killed by one of them one time, and, and that'll happen at the early game. And uh, oh, right. So and I just happened to never get killed by one of those guys, and that's not like a weird brag or anything. I would have loved for it to happen because it was such a cool moment when I let it happen in my subsequent playthroughs. But uh, to, to go back a minute, that bone ash thing you were talking about. It's yeah. it's only specifically for blood for uh, blood tinge builds builds. Oh, so okay. uh, and I've I've got some. I did a weird like gimmick blood tinge thing where like literally using a gun I can take down a boss in like four shots, and it's all because you, bone wow. ash multiplies your damage so much, and it's it's just it's, it gets nuts. But it's literally only for one bullet at a time. So like you shoot your gun, you load the bone ash. You shoot your gun, you load your bone ash. It's it's very dumb and gimmicky, but That's it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed playing around with all the different builds, and I did my mana build subsequently, and and even even the first time I played through because it took me. So so long to beat the blood starved beast that at one stage i just started to like i guess you know just um level myself as much as i could mm-hmm. so by the time i killed it i felt like i was completely over leveled i don't know if i was or maybe i just gotten better at the game but i blew through everything else like i blew through bergenworth and the forbidden woods and um uh like canehurst i i did in like i think the boss took me longer than i wanted there's a largarius whatever his name mm-hmm. is um uh but like everything else i like went straight through uh nightmare frontier i had the same thing i i, I think i killed Amigala my like third or fourth go maybe but nice. i just i burned through them it was amazing like i felt like an absolute boss um throughout the whole thing uh so it was uh it was it was really cool i think the other one that that i i that i did like pretty quickly was rom and then everyone was kind of like, oh my god, that's the one that takes me forever. And <laughs> I have since gotten hung up on it on two different playthroughs. I've, I like, I don't know what, I, I think I just had a really good build or something. With the man I won, I just can't seem to kill him. It's, it, it's weird. Um, it, he's weak, she's weak to bolt. So if you're using like lightning or something, that can help. Right. But, uh, it's, there's so much going on in that fight. And it's so easy to kind of luck your way past 
uh, just by not trying to avoid stuff. I don't know if you get that thing where, where you go into a boss fight and you do really well the first time. You're like, okay, well, now I'm prepared. And because of your preparation, you just second guess yourself instead of acting instinctively. And you just, you know, you screwed up another 30 times, which is worse than your first time. Totally. Go. Yeah. When I, whenever I was like, whenever I didn't expect to beat something, like I remember the first time I went to pill, kill um, uh, Dark Beast Parl mm-hmm. and it just like freaked me out. Like it, it just was a massive electric storm. And I was like, oh, this is going to murder me. And so I went in with like zero expectations and ended up killing it. Like, I think on the first, go- I think, I think I, I, that when I went through there the first time, when I accidentally ended up in that part of it, which I guess it's technically an old Yarnum, but I, I think you access it through, um, through, uh, Yargul and Soon Village. Um, I remember, like I got killed that time, so but the next time I was like I was actually going to fight it, and I killed it my first go, and I was like, oh, that's that was like a that was a, a, a sort of I got out of that one. I was I was pretty lucky, um, but I just love the bosses. Like every boss that came up, I just I was such a blast, just like getting to see them. Like yeah, the the yeah. three the three ones in in the Forbidden Woods, Shadows, the shadows of Yarnum, yeah, of Yarnum, love like, the Shadows. Love, yeah. Oh, they were like that was like some old school video game shit where you have like three enemies and they all have their you just, like you just figure that one out. You're like, oh, one of them goes fast, one of them's got a, a you know projectile, and the other one is whatever, and you just kind of and like, at the end when the snakes pop out of the ground, which is such an unexpected. Moment and you're like, where did these things come from? <laughs> why, why does this never? Why? It just scared the hell out of me when those snakes started popping up. Every one of those. The other one that I did like really quickly. I don't know what happened. Was the one reborn? Mm-hmm. I like I killed that on the first go. Like 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 under a minute. Like I don't know what. I think I just kept staggering its limbs or something. Like sure, yeah, that's, I, I, yeah. I, staggering is the way to go in that fight. I think. Yeah, I, I think I attacked it the same way I, I attacked Amelia and was just like, "Oh, I'm going to go for your arms whenever you put them down." Um, but I was terrified by it. I thought it was the end boss of the game because I didn't know what, what was going on. Well, because you know, he dropped the whole... from the moon, <laughs> so you would expect that yeah. to be. The... Where are you going to go from here, guys? <laughs> right. You don't know that there's like there's like six more bosses after this. <laughs> it's not even like the second last one. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, so that, that thing I, I killed like on the first go and I was like so happy because it freaked me the hell out. All of them just freaked Every single one that came up, I was just like, oh, you're deviling. You're going to kill me like so easily. Like Lady Maria, I was like, oh, that's just, this is terrifying. And the Orphan of Koss and just like all of it was was like, even in the, the like I, I haven't be- beaten the old Hunters yet, I don't think, but... Mm-hmm. Um, even playing through that, like the first the, the first boss in that one, just was a nightmare. Like right away, was it Ludwig or something? Oh or? yeah, yeah, Ludwig. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh my whew. god, that dude! What a, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I was like, I've just completed this game, like, or I've almost completed this game. Like, how can you do this to me, video game? Uh, and then the same thing happened when I played Dark Souls because I eventually went back and the, the Dark Souls remastered had come out like basically that week. So I picked that one up and started playing through that, and I was like, oh great, this one's even weirder. <laughs> How's it? How is it uh, going from Bloodborne, who has a lot of, like you mentioned, this quality of life improvements, going back to Dark Souls One, which is I feel like as much as I love that game, and that's the game that I started with, and have I don't want to talk about how many hours into because I did so much PvP. Like it's like the interface is a little clunky, like everything's just a little clunkier and slower in Dark Souls compared to Bloodborne. Was it a big adjustment for you? I think everything is closer. Or sorry, um, everything is slower, but also like the game is slower. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot more empty space i feel like between the sections and areas where you can just like i don't know prepare and slowly go in like bloodborne's a lot more dense there's enemies everywhere in bloodborne there's like but there are parts of dark souls where like you're kind of on your own or there's like one enemy or something and i mean 
the whole area around Firelink Shrine obviously is like there's there's basically nobody around there at all until you know you go down to the skeletons or or you go up to the bridge. But like, there's lots of parts of it that are that are kind of easy to wander around. Um, I think once I realized how the shield works, because I was playing Dark Souls and I was like, oh my god, like this is really difficult. Like I'm I'm I, all I was doing was dodging. Like I I I forgot that the shield was a fucking shield because I've been playing Bloodborne for so long that I was like. <laughs> I literally, I swear to God, I was like eight hours into that game and I was like, you, you idiot, just put your fucking shield up. I hadn't, I hadn't used the shield. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then I was like, oh, this is way easier. So then like, it was the same thing with the Bloodstar Beast where I sort of, uh, I put I put like a a restriction. That was the other thing. I didn't realize the Bloodstar Beast was optional. Like you could just buy your way into the, the next area of the game. You didn't actually have to, sure, to yeah. kill the bloody thing to open that door. But yeah, so I, that was my, my problem was that I ended up... Uh, uh, doing that but I, I i just loved it the same way i loved playing you know world of warcraft where you know i was high enough in the elwyn forest but you cross that river and go into duskwood just to see it like you everything there is 10 levels too high but you just do it because you can or like you take the ferry from stranglethorn to the barrens and you're not supposed to be in a barrens because it's horde territory but you're just like wandering around and like like that's how I felt when when I started playing uh, Dark Souls more than Bloodborne because the the first like four or five chapters or areas in Bloodborne it, they're pretty uh, you you kind of can't go the wrong way whereas mm-hmm. like Dark Souls is almost designed so you go the wrong way um, Bloodborne's like you know you you have to kill you know um, the uh, what's the first the cleric beast before you can you know the doll even wakes up or like you have to kill Gascoigne before you get to the cathedral ward and then it starts to open up and you can go to old Yarnum or 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 the upper ward and 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 sort of mess around that way but in in Dark Souls you can kind of go in so many directions right off the bat so I I love that I love that I could you know you could get yourself in trouble yeah and there's something fun like I don't care about completing games or be, being good at games like I've never I never feel like I'm good at games. So to me, it's more about like just enjoy, like like exploring the world, and you know, I used to I lived across the road from a psychiatric hospital, and I'd often go into the grounds. There's like no kids there; it was a massive area. And, um, I used to play for the local football team that had a pitch there, but I'd often like just go around to some of the buildings that like maybe were abandoned or not abandoned, and just kind of you know go down staircases I wasn't supposed to be, or go into areas, and then you'd end up in a part of the hospital where people were working, or you know, a room full of patients or something, and. Like, it sounds really weird and dark, but, like, that's what Dark Souls reminded me of. That, like, oh, this is, like, scary and weird, and I'm a kid, and I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I'm not <laughs> supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be in those places in Dark Souls, regardless of your level. So when you're underleveled, when you're a kid, it's, like, way scarier. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. Especially if you're a kid and you don't know what any of the things that you're holding or picking up do. Like, you just find stuff. Totally. Like, what is this thing? And, like, no, it's just, like, a magazine, but you're like, okay, well, the, the description says that it could, you know, temporarily boost my blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, all of that stuff is really weird in, in Dark Souls. Like the learning the language of that game, just like we've talked about a little bit, is 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 hugely important. And it's I, I find just going into a new area. My my first Dark Souls playthroughs are always like shield up, inching around a corner, like trying to move my camera so I can see if there's an enemy around this ninety degree turn or anything like that because I'm just super terrified. Like the game is. It's not a horror game specifically, but it's very, very scary. Like I find a lot of people compare it to uh, Silent Hill for some reason. And I'm not a huge yeah. Silent Hill fan, so I don't, I don't, I haven't played those games enough to, to really talk about that. But it's a game that instills that fear of a uh, of the unknown in you very, very well. Yeah, it's 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 it has that like the, the it's weird the Silent Hill thing. I I 
I there's one reason why I think that might be the case is that in Bloodborne you have like Bloodborne's like scale like you see stuff that's really far away and you kind of do in Dark Souls too right like you can see areas of the game um, that are like you know low resolution skyboxy versions of of the stuff that you know kind of like Shadow of the Colossus actually a lot of those types of games mm-hmm. but but generally you're kind of like you're 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 boxed in like you don't know what's around the next corner and Silent Hill's whole thing was the fog of war which was or the the fog the draw distance fog which was just a it was just a natural issue with rendering on a PlayStation 1 back then so but it created this you know experience um which was more restrictive and Resident Evil was did something similar where they had pre-rendered backgrounds so they could get away with having these sort of 3D worlds and that's why the cameras were locked off like security cameras but in Dark Souls it's kind of a little bit similar where like they have a lot of like detailed bosses attacking you um with like different um skeletal models and stuff and i think they sort of box you in a little bit just to kind of keep everything running well mm-hmm. so you get a lot of like spiral staircases and like uh dark areas like is it the catacombs that that whole oh yeah area down there is like <laughs> that's silent hill that's like you can't see 10 feet in front of you and hope you bring a light bet, <laughs> totally and i bet a bunch of it is to do with the fact that that they were they had those technical restrictions so mm-hmm. um like that's kind of the I, the other thing about that whole thing is like the catacombs is one of my favorite or that whole area above it with the um with the with the graveyard is one of the funniest things i've ever seen in a video game because <laughs> i like i feel like most people go that way like which completely makes sense that like you see this big building beside fire lake shrine you know the abandoned the closed building you know you're going there you're not going to the weird bridge thing over the other side so you inevitably go into the skeletons the skeletons kill you about 20 times and you're like yeah people told me this game was hard but fucking hell <laughs> and then when you kill them you go down to the catacombs and it's like okay guess what all of these things will res within like five seconds of you killing them and you don't even know why it's not it's like there are there are mages hidden in here that are resing them but you literally can't see them and the, it's not like a piece of like you know, some sort of particle effect comes out of the darkness to res the skeletons. Like, you don't even know why they're res. You just think, oh, these <laughs> they are, like... They just get back up, yeah. <laughs> they just get back up. Like, that's the rest of this game. Is, and also, I don't have a light, so I can't see anything. And also, like, I, if I fall off this cliff, I'm going to die. Um, so the whole thing is, like... I just... I think the game is so funny. It remind It's, like... it. It's kind of taking the piss out of the player a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. I kind of feel. Um, I, I actually accidentally at one stage I, i'd like completed i think undead berg and a bunch of other places and decided to go into the catacombs and go deeper and i went through the catacombs and did a bunch of that and i really enjoyed that but i ended up going like way too far like i fell down some sort of like <laughs> i know exactly pit. i know exactly where you are yep <laughs> it's it's, a, it's like a pit where you where you there are like three or four different like edges sticking out that mm-hmm. you can kind of keep going down yeah i end, i ended up down with those pinwheel skeletons in that you know the ones that turn into like bicycle wheels and chase you <laughs> and i couldn't get the fuck out like i killed the boss down there which was a weird it was like a weird boss and then it was into the other area where 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 everything is like super dark and you can't see a thing and something killed me immediately but i i had to use like the wiki to get out because i couldn't get out because i there was and there was no like you know uh f- lamp or fire i was about to say lamps whatever you call them camps yeah bonfire or fires, yeah. Or bonfires to get out and i loved it like it was like i had done something stupid the game like wasn't equipped to easily get me out by design like intentionally it didn't have a fast travel and it wasn't like oh you fell down you know fucking shake your you know magic skeleton bones and then you'll appear back at your thing like 
it was like I had to figure it out. It wasn't there's no no hand holding, and I think like that's why I, I really enjoy this game because it or this these series of games because every boss, every new area, every little enemy you meet, you know, now you look at them and go like, oh, it's really easy to kill like those, you know, those asshole frog looking guys. But the first time I got, like, poisoned by one of them and my health, like, disappeared and I, like, I had to spend, like, a million souls <laughs> to, like, get rid of this curse. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I think that's, like, that's, you know, if I had a subtitle for this series, it would just be, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> that's that's a good subtitle for this whole thing, to be honest with you, because I think that everybody that, that plays it the first time is just totally clueless like they just have no idea what they're getting themselves into until they it's get gr- it and it's, gr- it's gr- and it's in. great to be clueless mm-hmm. because like so many times when you play games especially when you're a bit older right we've been playing games for a, for a while so you kind of feel like you know everything a little bit and when you don't it's like frustrating but i feel like these games are so weird and so idiosyncratic that it like frees you from that ego problem where you're like oh i wish i killed it on my first go you know or i wish i like because games are all about just tricking you into thinking you're doing well. Like, there, there's there's no ceiling on difficulty. If they wanted to do that, they could make every shooter would have, you know, I think I talked to John Blow about this, and he was talking about, you know, you could make a first-person shooter where, like, all the bullets had a million damage and you had no health. Like, difficulty is, like, a, is a human sort of designed abstract in games. It's It's made that way. So we know that, kind of. Inherently, as gamers, we know that this is all puppet strings. So when this game is, like, so difficult in, like, not that way, but in just, like, the way games work, it's freeing because it's like, oh, great. Like, I'm not supposed to know anything. So you you lose your ego out of the situation and you lose your frustration. And what's left is just, like, wonder, which is the same wonder I feel like I had when I was a, a child first playing video games. And I didn't have that and you know expectation that i knew how everything worked like i knew nothing worked so when things were hard that's fine they were hard and that's what i love about these games is just for somebody who kind of i feel like i've played a lot of games and i'm you know getting a little bit tired about the same tricks every time this has completely rejuvenated my interest in 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 games and and i feel super lucky that i wandered in when there's like this back catalog of games to play you know i still haven't those two or three so yeah, so you, cool. you, we'll have to get you back on with you eventually um, <clears throat> figured out how to uh, clone yourself and have time to play like Demon Souls because <laughs> ha- having that um, having you know that sorry somebody knocked on my door and my dogs are freaking out so apologies about that but, uh, <laughs> if, if like that that sense of unknown that, that Demon Souls it didn't necessarily start that with From Software but I feel like that's where it all congealed in the series that we know today and it's that that game you talked about like the insight system and how you read a wikipedia of it if you have a couple minutes go read like the world tendency wiki page about demon souls and like i dare you tendency yeah oh because there's world tendency and there's character tendency so you know there's two things but it's it's one of those things where i've 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 played demon souls a lot and i still couldn't i literally could not explain it to you besides some things you do in the game make the game harder and i don't know how to control it at all (laughs) it's amazing it's it's uh, and like in a weird way you kind of need to be that crazy to get over the like internet problem where people just like figure stuff out and and tell everyone how things work mm-hmm. like that la- those extra layers of abstraction be it the the words or like the fact that it's not surfaced in the game in any way and you have to figure this sort of stuff out like especially now that we're you know whatever a half dozen games into this series that like 
that's what I hope is the is is what they sort of continue to do with uh, Sekiro. Is 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 the problem now is you have a whole series of people who've played three Dark Souls games, a Demon Soul game, on Bloodborne, and the the kind of you know it's that thing where it's like oh it's a shield for the gun right like i didn't have that so mm-hmm. what i'm hoping now is that when that game comes out that it's still abstract and weird enough in lots of those ways that uh that that we still get to feel that and i i feel i feel like they know that like looking at bloodborne and looking at dark souls i'm like oh yeah you you followed this line like that's you that whole weird aspect of it is something that's a design philosophy it's not just a byproduct of making a game that western audiences don't like vibe with naturally which Mm -hmm. i think is the case for like a lot of final fantasy games and stuff that that just the cultural abstraction that comes into play um and i think uh i think that goes into like how they talk to press as well like like eventually i i reached out to a bunch of people and i talked to some of the folks (laughs) at from and they were like you make you know they were like no clips cool and we you know we saw the final fantasy thing and like uh it's really cool but like we it's kind of not what we do Um, yeah and part of the reason, like, there was a bunch of different things. They were like, we'd love to do so. You know, they were like, maybe around launch of Sekiro, we might be able to, you know, get you involved in, in the, you know, the, just the general, everyone does PR for the launch of a game, right? So, like, maybe in that sort of uh, situation. But Miyazaki famously just does not want to do interviews at all. And I was like, like, I totally get it. Like, absolutely, you know, but, like, we'd like to talk to the rest of the people on the team as well. And they were kind of like you know they know that the mystery is important like they're like we get it and it would be cool to talk about this sort of stuff but we also we kind of like the smoke and mirrors like yep, the, absolutely yeah people don't know what these games are about and when he emailed me when when, when they, we went back and forth a bunch and i was kind of like like okay yeah you're right like <laughs> I, I at a certain point i'm just i'm you know who i am you remember that guy who had that like the masked magician who had that tv show where all he did was tell you how magic tricks worked. Yeah, okay, it was yeah. in like the mm-hmm. late nineties or whatever. He had that weird mask. Um, in the end, I was like, "Oh, I'll just be that asshole. Like, I'll just be the one who is telling all the telling secrets. everyone how this works, mm-hmm. and like that. The reason why this works is that nobody knows why this works. So that was like enough for me to be like, okay, fair enough. Like that's if that's if no clips part to play in the story of this game is to do nothing about it then that, that's that sounds right to me so i don't know if we'll ever do something on them um and i'm kind of okay with that well uh i think that's gonna wrap us up danny thank you so much for for guesting i think uh i was gonna ask you what you wanted to see from from software and you kind of just automatically answered it right before i even asked the question so thank you so much for guesting and coming on the show and spending some time with me this morning i really really appreciate it this was an absolute blast. I could have talked to you for like six hours about this. This is like, <laughs> I feel like I live in the woods in Maryland and there's like no one to talk to about Bloodborne uh, or all the other weird things I'm into, like Formula One <laughs> or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it was an absolute dream. I love the idea for this uh, podcast. I've listened to a bunch of episodes um, uh, and you have a new listener in me as well. So uh, I hope I was a, I'm not the most knowledgeable of the guests you've had on, but uh, hopefully my insight was you know interesting or something no pun intended i'm sure no pun uh, intended no my <laughs> madman's knowledge uh where can you be found on the internet where if people want to go track you down we, we mentioned no clip a few times uh i just want to say i'm a big fan of no clip like that's that's one of the most fantastic video game series ever i would highly highly recommend going to re- look at the uh, or watch the warframe videos because even if you have no experience with warframe whatsoever just those guys and, and women seem like they're just the best 
and nicest developers I've ever seen. And like that community they've created is awesome. But talk about Noclip for a little bit, if you don't mind. And so you can sure. clue um, everybody. Thank in. you so much. First of all, that you're, you're, it's very kind of you to say, um, I, yeah, I, Noclip is, um, I worked in the games industry for kind of not that long, actually a couple of years in England and then a couple of years in the U S and then I ended up splitting off to start this. It's a crowdfunded video game, I guess, YouTube channel. Um, uh, but we make documentaries about games development uh, and also about communities and other weird things as well. Um, it's all crowdfunded. We don't take a penny from the games industry in any sh- shape, fashion. We I don't do advertising. We don't let them pay for flights, accommodation, nothing. We turn up with all of our uh, stuff, all paid for by folks via Patreon, um, patreon.com slash noclip if you want to see more there. Uh, and then we put all the documentaries online for free uh, with closed captioning and we do a bunch of other initiatives like we have um, videos about how to produce your own documentaries and we do extended cuts of uh, interviews for people and the idea is basically just kind of to be like this PBS for games history or games um, development history or preservation or something mm-hmm. uh, and it's cool and we've covered small games from Frog Fractions to The Witness and Spelunky all the way up to we basically showed off for Fallout 76 for the first time and we've done Doom and right now I'm working on a project which is about Half-Life for the 20th anniversary which is on the 19th of this month and um, but it's not actually about Half-Life, uh, or it's not actually about Valve, because they wouldn't, they didn't really want to talk about sure. it, which I kind of get. Um, so instead, we I, I spent two weeks traveling around the country interviewing people about, like, everything from Counter-Strike, you know, people who were, who were playing Counter-Strike and had esports teams, to, you know, the folks who were trying to make Episode 3, to the folks who made Black Mesa, to, like, Vince Zampella about how it influenced his work on Call of Duty and Titanfall, and... We uncovered a hidden project that hadn't been announced, and we 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 talked to Randy Pitchford about making Opposing Force, and so it's it ends up it's this weird sort of nostalgia trip thing, um, which will be out in a couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, type no clip into YouTube, and we'll pop up. There's a bunch <laughs> of videos, and then my name's Danny O'Dwyer, so there aren't many of those on the internet. So if you type that in somewhere, <laughs> you're probably going to land on me. And if you're if you're listening to the podcast, just go to the, the show notes section of your podcast app, and uh, I'll have links to all of that stuff in, the, in there, so you can just click on. It to go right to it um i'm i am so excited about the half-life thing like i remember um one of the like best moments best gaming moments of my life is i I came into just a little bit of money when i was pretty young i was like 17 or 18 and i bought a like top the line alienware computer and this was like 1998 right so it had like a 3dfx card and two nvidia cards because you had to have both and uh was oh my god yeah the case like huge oh my dude it was the biggest case it was the most obnoxious like white (laughs) this was kind of before they started doing like lights and things so it was just a gigantic like beige box wow uh, but Half-Life 2 had just come out and so like like booting Half-Life 2 and, and like with the best graphics ever possible and just getting absorbed into Half-Life 2 and just like oh, yeah it's so good it's, just, a, it's one of those series that like people remember it like it harkens back to their youth um, and the series the video is basically about like it's 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 not so much about Half-Life although we do we get into design quite a lot um, but it's mostly about the how Half-Life sort of the event of Half-Life, kind of like the Resonance Cascade in the first game, had this shockwave, which ended up being a massive creative influence to so many people around the world, and the way in which the lack of Episode 3 has kind of been a good thing, and how it's, like, been this, like, 
this creative catalyst, I guess, and the vacuum that it's created has actually been more beneficial in a weird way to the, the community of Half-Life, which persists. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of... It's, it's a very, like, personal story for me, but it's mostly about all the personal stories of all the people we've talked to, um, which wasn't the original concept for it, but after interviewing people, it ended up being like, oh, this is, like... This game changed all of these people's lives, like, for better, for worse, in good ways. Some people are bitter about stuff. Like, it's it's fucking amazing. So it's kind of, like, about how the shockwave that it sort of sent out. And I we, we've been calling it Project Mesa for the past couple of weeks just, or months as a, as a, as a um, code name. But I'm thinking of calling it Unforeseen uh, Consequences because that's the, the, the name of the chapter in Half-Life mm-hmm. 1. And that's basically what it's about. It's about all the weird consequences that happened um, as a result of this game. So, um, yeah, working hard on it at the moment. Editing all day and, and all night <laughs> and trying to make sure that it's, uh, it's good. Because every, t- every time we do one of these, I'm like, just people like it. Just As long as people enjoy them, the fans enjoy them, then, then I'm happy. So, yeah, it's fun work. Well, excellent. And, and once again, thank you very much for, for guesting on this and talking about some Bloodborne with us. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Absolute pleasure. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to the Patreon if you want to support the show directly. It has links to the t-shirt if you want to put a skelly on your belly. It also has links to previous episodes, uh, places to review the show on various internet services, all of that stuff. Thank you for everybody that does any of that stuff. Uh, and thank you to everybody that just listens. We'll be back next week with another guest. And until then, remember, don't give up skeleton. Awesome. Yeah, we're good. That was great. Thank you so much. That was such a good time. That was a lot of fun. That was like the most fun I've had in the park. <laughs> <laughs>